I was. Nicole, I oh my gosh, I'm I'm frothing for this one. I don't Go think on. you should. Hit me. Look, I've been doing some research and I realize I only know 25 letters of the alphabet and I have no idea about why. Welcome to the Tradies and Business Podcast with your hosts Warwick Didwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade, helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. Listeners, I have to admit, I have to admit, that was actually pretty funny, Coxie. Thank you. And, and your delivery today, I must say, your delivery today was on point. I wish I could say I even practiced that one, but I did not. It was totally on the fly. You must be you must be firing this afternoon, Coxie. I am. All cylinders. Do you know what else is weird? That whole on point thing? It's about ballet. Yes. And that stuff hurts. <laughs> now something that doesn't hurt is having guests on our show. We love having guests on our podcast because it makes us look cool. Uh, which we suck at usually. So um, we've got a we've got a super cool guest today. I've been looking forward to this chat, and uh, I'm going to do our usual thing and not read a bio. We don't even ask for bios. I think we used to when we did. this show was in its infancy. We did, um, and I just gave up because usually bios are boring as batshit, and <laughs> our guests do a much better job of telling our listeners about themselves. So. Cal from Young Guns, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And I also really enjoyed that joke. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Thanks, Cal. Well, don't, don't, don't pour <laughs> unleaded on her fire, mate. <laughs> don't pour unleaded on her fire. So, um, Cal, uh, been keen to chat to you, mate, because you, you're a fellow coach. Um, but you're in a fairly, what I would consider to be a unique space, although I, mm. I guess there's a, a fair few providers out there. I see a couple of people rattling around in a similar sort of niche, I guess. Um, we will no doubt talk about your craft and what you do, but before we do, mate, can you tell our listeners why they should spend the next, I don't know, 39, 49 minutes, whatever this episode's going to go for, listening to you? Um. I think they should listen to me because, or you guys listening right now should listen to me. I'd say because what what I've what I've done when it comes to building this business personally, um, I would say it is unique. Was in the, in the fact of like how we market, we we pulled off the impossible when it comes to, um, which we'll get into a little bit more around how we market to people that aren't actually our clients. You know, fancy that, um, and still be profitable. So I think just the actual business structure is something super interesting to listen to if someone's trying to tap into like a dual market, so to speak. Um, and then overall, I'm, I'm a young fella. You know, I'm only 23 years old, so um, I've been able to I've been in business for since I was 17 years old. So I think. I've, I've been around long enough, but still at a young age that I'm, I'm, I'm up with what's going on. So I don't know. I think that's our, my place of being able to give a little bit of value today. That's my goal. Cool, man. You have impressive facial hair for a 23-year-old. Bloody oath you do. I'm, <laughs> I'm jealous. And yours is not grey, so uh, yeah. I'm even more miffed. <laughs> it's red, so I'm not sure if that's worse. <laughs> uh, I can't tell it's red from here. No, no. Cal, I um I didn't know you were only twenty three. I'm going to be really honest. I'd made some assumptions that you had a little more experience behind you. So that's mm. super impressive to me, because the way we connected, and I know I have the benefit of knowing a little bit about what you do, but I have sons in your age bracket, 
a little younger than you, not much. Um, one of which is also like you very much an entrepreneur. He's very keen to make his stamp on the world. He's out there doing things in his own way. He'll probably listen to this one. Hello, Blakey, if you're listening. Um, he's going to kill me now, by the way. <laughs> I find it really interesting the way the world has uh, opened up for motivated people to be business owners at a young age. It's really, really changed. So I'm super keen to hear about your story. If you've started at 17 and you're only now 23 and you're doing what you're doing, tell us a bit about how you came to be where you are now. You want, you want the long story or short story? We've Go got the time. long one. we got all um, day. Oh, yeah. So I've got, I've, uh, you might have already noticed, but I've got ADHD. Um, so I'm constantly just sporadic, um, hyper-focused and things. I get fixated on things. I've struggled a lot with it. So I, I come from a background, two beautiful parents that were mum university degree, was a teacher, did the teaching thing, really high-level teaching, dad was a psychologist counsellor. You know, so I've got this, got this dynamic of two very intelligent parents and my brother is super IQ as well. Brilliant, brilliant dude. And I was just the kid that loved lifting weights, you know. I was 15 years old, I found the gym and found a real passion for that. And um, so I I was your classic C student, you know. My, my mum was the head of a curriculum at the time, so she was like at the schools as one of the big dogs, so to speak, and I was just your C grade student plotting along. And um, so I never really knew what I wanted to do. Um, and then when I started training, started going to the gym, I did my certificate three and four of fitness as a traineeship. So I got a day off school in grade 11 and 12 to be able to do that. And then I found myself in grade 12 going to school, but I had just under 20 clients that were, I was only charging 30 bucks an hour. And I'd, do, I'd train before school, do training sessions after school. So I just found a real love. I just found what I loved with training. And then I begin to realize, oh, I can make some bit of pocket money with this through the week as well. So honestly, the business stuff just started from there um, was just that was what I was going to do. I wanted to be a personal trainer and that was my goal. Um, before online coaching was a big thing, I thought of the idea of, you know, helping some people one-on-one via phone um, with diet plans and training. So at 17, I had my very first online client paying $40 a week um, at 17 years of age. Crazy. Um, so, and that's since then, I've had online, online clients ever since then. So that's how the whole business stuff got structured in my head is that I, I was never going to make a fit to the uni mold, never made a fit to just the workforce. I just wanted to do what I loved um, and make some dollars doing that. So I hope that answers how I got into it. 100%. Yeah. That's really cool. I um, You've clearly got great parents that are supportive, and I say that because I think I'm a great mum who's very supportive of my kids' <laughs> passions as well. Um, but, you know, I, I can imagine that could have been quite challenging at times for your parents if they had because as parents we have – I guess we start with preconceived ideas of what we think will be best for our children as they grow, and it can be challenging to let go of what we think is the ideal. Um, you've got the benefit of two fantastic parents with a huge amount of experience that clearly are well-educated and have done a lot of work around, I'm, again, making assumptions, um, being supportive for you and understanding that sometimes those paths that we think or select as parents don't actually fit the kids that we have yeah, because we don't all fit into the ideal mould. Yeah, so I, I'd have many conversations with mum and dad. Um, both were always, they were always super supportive, you know. They, they realised, you know, that I wasn't ever going to go down the route of just getting a job or, like, getting a degree and whatnot. They, they just knew it. So there was times that really tested with them. Was I successful at business all the time? 
Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, like I'd have drips and I'd roller coaster drips, dries, whatnot. I'd, in sometimes I'd find myself going back to my very first part time job when I was fourteen, just for a couple of days to keep myself afloat, um, which was a hardware. I love hardware. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to this day, my boss there was one of the coolest bosses I've ever had. Well, my only boss I've ever had. So, uh, and I'd, I'd go back there working the heartbeat if I had to. But um, yeah, the point being is that a couple of years down the track was more when I was a later teen, when I was like nineteen. And when I really wanted to make this thing profitable and work, um, uh, and I'd have some real tough conversation with my parents, and where they'd always believe that I was going to do it, and I'd consistently tell them I was going to do it, I was going to crack the code. I'd say, "I'm going to do it, Monday. I'm going to crack the code. I'm, I'm going to figure it out." Because I had so many people I was beginning to get aware of in a network that were doing really well with their coaching. Mm. Model, you know, I'm like, "There's got to be something out there." So um, there was times where I could see in their eyes when they'd say, "You know." we believe you, you're going to do it where they just wanted to say so bad, like, dude, just get a job. Cause it's been, <laughs> yeah. Cause it's been years of just me, like, well, it'd be three or four years now of like me just trying to make more than a thousand dollars a week, you know, mm. uh, just to be on that normal full-time bracket sort of thing. So there's definitely times where they never said it. And I'm very grateful to this day. They never verbally said, dude, stop. But I could see there was times, definitely there was times when I was super worried. It's, I did, think it's challenging. Yeah, sorry, Warren. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you deal with that probably knowing? For me, like I said, like I'm not sure if it's just my brain but or what it was. I was just hyper fixated. I had to. Like I was I was not going to stop. And we can get into some details about some of the crazy ends I've gone to to be able to make it work, but I was not going to stop until I coached online full time. didn't matter. You know? I was willing to do anything to be able to do it. So for them to see that, I like – it almost fueled me a little bit more. Sounds cliched, but, you know, put a fire fire in my belly. But, like, when my parents found <laughs> it, that's when it really ramped up for me. Like, oh, I've got to do this. You know, I've got to figure it out. Cal, why, why is it so important for you to coach people? Um, so important for me because I've – I was never born with it because it's a it's a pure skill set, but I, I developed the skill set of like loving people and helping people pretty early on. You know, I was brought up, and I, th- I strongly you know attribute that to my religious background. I was I was brought up with. I'm no longer no longer M, but definitely the principles that my parents raised me with as well, like to love people and care for people. That really helped me just develop that skill set. So my way of it now is I, I channeled that and found that coaching, you know, ran parallel with a lot of my former beliefs. And so now for me, I've got my own personal story, which we can tap into if you guys want to, but um, that's why it's so important for me to coach is because it's, it's just what I do. It's all I am. I love communicating with people. I love, I love seeing outcomes. It's so cool. So mm. Mm. Cal, what was your first experience of a coach? We don't become coaches without observing coaches. So where did you first, I guess, understand the concept or experience the concept? Yeah, um, first time experience would have been personal training clients, you know. Um, the first time I, I'd say, understood what coaching actually meant because I like training and coaching is two very different things, in my opinion. Um, but it would have been when I was um, just before Young Guns actually started, and how I come up with the idea was I was contracting as a PT at Jets Fitness on the Sunshine Coast mm-hmm. in Coolum, and um, I had this one young fella who was my client, you know, parent, parents had the dollars to be able to pay for a couple of PT sessions a week with him. His name was Maddie. Super cool dude, still still in contact with him today. But um, he was a motocross rider, right? Mm-hmm. And he was never really confident with it. Like he kind of did on the weekends, a bit of a hobby, raced every now and then. And I started working with him when I was 15, uh, when he was 15, sorry. And just seeing him, I worked with him for the all the years up until he, he graduated. And that's kind of when I went young guns full time. But I just fell in love with the fact that a lot of the times we stopped actually, you know, doing so much gym training and whatnot, when we'd find ourselves in these like 
10, 15 minute conversations when I was coaching him on life skill sets and the girl he was chatting to at school or what was going on with his mates or drugs and alcohol, whatever it may be. You know, and I just found like there was such a depth to our relationship got super strong because we were coaching. Like I was literally helping me out with his life path and whatnot. And so the training become it was it was the thing that created the space. Like when someone's training the endorphins release and whatnot, it was the thing that created space for him to feel comfortable to be like rolling out with me. And I was only 19 too. I was only a couple of years older than him. So um I got that feedback from his parents too. They both reached out and said, We're so thankful for everything you've done and whatnot. And that's how I come up with one day I woke up and like, how about I stop working with all these Karen's just to pay for my rent? You know? <laughs> just to pay for my rent at Pete at the at the con as a contract, because you pay I was paying eight eighty a month, you know, just to contract the gym. It's crazy. Wow. I was just like, how cool would it be just to work for the young guns? You know, and so I just woke up one day and thought of young guns and pulled the pin and quit. Um to start this. Yeah. I just love the idea. I was gonna say what's even funnier about that is we did an episode on the podcast here where Croxy went full Karen about stuff. (laughs) (laughs) A couple times now. I fit the demographic well. Yeah. I love what you do, though. I love, you know, again, as a mum, I've got three young men now. They're all adults now. Um, and I think it's really missing space. So I'm keen to talk about young guns. Tell us about what you do in young guns. And then maybe you can take us through why this is so important to you. Clearly it's mm. got, you've, there's something in your background that's really made this important for you. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding on to it. You see how I'm making this? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. get the climaxes and just trip feet a little bit out. Yeah. And I'm um, going, you just get to the freaking point, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is Young Guns? That was a question there. Yep. Yeah, so Young Guns is the best way I like to describe it would just be a male youth development program. Um, so we fit in that grey area and it is a grey area of where a young dude isn't going to fit into the aspect of, you know, being a, in go to psychology or counselling or has big mental illness issues or whatnot, nor does he fit the mould of just being the dude that goes plays footy um, or he's in the, at the rec club on the weekend, you know what I mean? So like we fit that area of like a lot of our young fellas are the gamers, they're super introvert, um, they, they don't have any mental illness problems, so to speak, or, or issues, but they just don't have confidence. They don't have self-worth. They don't have the the balls or the ability to get up and try, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and that that's the mould where a lot of parents, number one, either can't get funded for to get help they need, um, or number two, they're sick to the ends of trying to get him to be motivated to go do something. So we use three pillars, mentorship, movement, mindset. We understood how important it was of having someone in the corner to, to help motivate, to actually extrinsically empower as well. Like we're really big about it when it comes to coaching is that you can, through your communication with one another, actually move someone to want to do something. Yep. So our coaches, have, our coaches have had to get really good at that. Well, I had to get really good at that when I first started by myself. Um, and then movement, like I talked about before, the space that's created through training, endorphin release, et cetera, um, and wind reflection and progression. Fast way to build self-worth is to reflect on, you know, what you're doing well. So mm-hmm. a lot of boys aren't doing anything well or they can't see anything they're doing well. So it's like training becomes something like, holy heck, like I can actually improve on this weekly from what I do. Um, and then obviously mindset. Once we've got someone in the corner, someone that is um, getting space created through something enjoying, that's when we start tab- tapping into the habits, the rituals, the skill sets, et cetera. So we'll go through everything from the initials of confidence, self-worth, motivation, insecurities, do a lot of self-awareness around that. But I'm a huge believer in action as well. It's 2022. People are more self-aware than ever, yet suicide numbers, mental health issues keep rising. Why? Because self-aware doesn't do shit, you know. It's like action of what we do around that awareness does it. So we have big action phases around us setting goals, learning gratitude, 
going through everything from communication, body language, social skill sets, interactions, all the way up to we get the boys with CV letters, resume templates, teach them about money management, tax, debt, like you name it, we've got it. So we take a boy from being that space to super confident and then develop all the um, high-performing skill sets beyond that. That's Young Guns. Listeners, listen. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's a bit of a tongue twister straight out of the gate. I know, I know. We have something we want to talk to you about, gang, um, and it's related to mountains of paperwork. So if you are sick and tired of those mountains of paperwork, I probably shouldn't laugh, and the stress around getting paid, issuing invoices on time, figuring out how much cash you've got coming in and going out, reconciling bank accounts, blah, blah, blah. I feel tired just talking about I that, know. Mr. Coxie. I've only gone then uh, we're actually really stoked to be able to share a new solution to all of that with you called Parpera. And I'll spell I want to spell it. Oh, I, I want to spell it. Okay. I'm ready. I'm jumping here. That's P-A-R-P-E-R-A, Parpera. <laughs> I love it. It's got a ring to it. Now, the gang at Parpera have put together a coordinated solution to your banking, invoicing, cash flow management, tax reporting, and more. I already feel relieved. How are you feeling? It's a load off my shoulders, Coxie. Me too. You can manage your business bank account, issue invoices, receive payments faster, schedule invoicing reminders, and even capture receipts to make tax time easier. Hallelujah. All within one single app. What, I don't need seven apps and a shoebox for all of that? No. (laughs) Not even the ute floor. All right. So um, Parpera is a super cool app, and as a Tradies in Business listener – you get an exclusive 90 days, so that's three months, for those who aren't sort of au with maths and stuff, free trial offer. Basically, uh, you get three months free to check it out. Uh, all you've got to do is use the code 90DFTRADY, so that's 90DFTRADY, up until the 30th of June 2022 when you download the app from the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. Make sure you read the T's and C's with all of this stuff. Um, but go and check it out, download it, get your 90 days free. Have a go, have a play. It might actually solve a lot of problems for you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know I'll probably just spat all that out in about oh, 15 seconds. But I hope that's that's a good elevator speech. And yeah. uh, I'm sitting here as an almost 50-year-old bloke who took probably 40 of those years to start to figure out half the shit that you just ran through, man. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, it's crazy to say that because, you know, when we talk to parents, it's amazing how many, like if we get a chat to a dad, he's like, this, like, this is something I could join. I'm like, yeah, no joke. You know, like you actually could, because what we found out after doing this for a few years now is that everything that we teach or everything that as humans, we naturally think is something that, we just naturally develop, like, you know, how to talk to people, how to like, how to present our body language, how to gesture, all this sort of stuff. You, you begin to realise it's all a skill set, you know. Yep. Everything is a skill set. So it's like, yeah, like there's no wonder there's guys that are in their 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s that still can't communicate properly, can't talk to a girl or can't communicate to their wife properly. It's like it's not because they're just idiots. It's because they just genuinely haven't been taught or given the skill sets along life. So yep. what we're finding was is that, we're having young fellas that by the time they're turning 16 or 17, they are stupidly mature, like like in mature 
I hate that word. I shouldn't use it, but stupidly well developed in their skill sets because I don't believe it. That's rubbish. <laughs> so it's like they're just developing skill sets at such a fast rate because they're fast tracked around how to actually do it. Simple things Absolutely. like, you know, if a dude's struggling with replies of, you know, what, how's your day? Good. What did you get up to? Nothing. You know, it's, it, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with your dude. He just doesn't know how to reply to that properly. Correct. Yeah. It's not because it's not because you know you get frustrated with what he probably doesn't know how. So we actually teach them certain ways to speak back to that and what views of other people see when they communicate that way or express that way, etc. So right. anyway, it's all a skill set. That's um, that's my point. I was trying to make. That's right. I think I'm being the, the token lady, the Karen on the podcast. I'm, I'm going to make some pretty <laughs> big statements here. Let's go. Bring it on. I think that um, there's been a real focus on. Um, the self-esteem and the self-worth for girls becoming women. And we've done a lot of work around that in the last, I'd say, 20 years. But we've really missed the boys. We've let the boys go. And a big part as a parent of the school that I chose for my boys, was it's a boys-only education. They have a rite of passage. They do a lot of work around this stuff um, during the mid part of high school, so about the same age that you're talking about that you're working with. Um, they didn't get the results that you're getting, Cal, but they got very close and and when supported by parents, I, I feel those kids are coming out in a much better space. But my point is I, I think we've dropped the ball with young men. I really do as a parent of young men and seeing a lot of young men in the community. I've been really involved in kids' sports for many, many years and so have really watched the journey of a lot of young men. And where they're not, um, I guess, blessed with the kind of education that my I feel my boys were really blessed to have, so that they had that opportunity for the self-development, a lot of them are missing this piece of the pie. They they are as insecure as the ladies we've been trying to build up and work on for years and years and years. Their, their mental health is in a rapid decline. They, they can't find the confidence to do the things that we need to do as adults. And I feel it's a real society problem, so it's very exciting to me to see somebody like you identifying there's a big issue and finding a solution for it. I guarantee there'll be so many parents listening to this who feel just like me, who will be excited to hear that there's a way that it can be different. And it doesn't actually have to be that hard. It's it's teaching boys how to become men is not difficult, yet it's something we just don't place enough importance on and we don't create enough time or space for. Yeah. I'm not sure that as parents we're always the best um, skilled or trained or even developed ourselves enough to teach our kids those lessons. Yeah. I think often it has to be external to the, the family unit. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a little theory on it if you want to hear it. Mm, please. Um, so, well, one, one I think is pretty practical. The other is a theory. My First of all, the theory of why our young fellas struggle so much with insecurities and worth and whatnot so much is it's pretty simple when you look at it. It's like it's we got so much technology that they spend hours on we don't get enough vitamin D, which naturally raises your test levels. You're inside all day. You're not doing anything that exerts your masculinity. Like, I honestly think so many of these causes just comes from a lack of testosterone. I really do because it's a, it's a hormone that's essential for growth and becoming a man. Yep, so it's yep. like if a boy's not exerting that in a ways of exercise and, and helping his muscles move and build that through sport or whatever it may be, and he's just drowning it and whatever, it's like with, with that hormone and a deficiency, like how else are you supposed to want to feel confident and up and go and go and do things? You know, mm-hmm. there's a reason why grown men, once their test levels drop, start dropping when they're 35, 40, start getting on TRT or getting testosterone therapy, whatever it may be, is because it keeps you a ball. It keeps you a monster, you know? <laughs> so it's like, um, so that, that's that's my first theory on, on why it happens so much is, is just a seclusion and, you know, and what happens hormonally. 
But then when it comes to um, your second point around, what was the second point again? I just lost my train of thought. I think um, just as parents, we're maybe not the best place to be teaching our kids these lessons. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, I call it, what I like to call it is the love union, you know. So my love unions. imagine if you drew a circle. I often take our parents through this as well. And it's like inside of that is your your family, your close relatives or whatever it may be. And it's not a lack of respect when it comes to, say, your lad not listening to you or wanting to go try the things that, you know, that you're suggesting. It's simply because the the level of what I like to call like positive pressure or the level of resistance is higher simply because it's someone you're comfortable with talking to, you know. So, like, it's, it's completely normal. Like, I, and that's what we tell the parents is it's not your fault, like, you know. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with what you've necessarily done at all. It's just this is how our lads' brains are wired. Um, second thing on that is often when we do our events, we talk to parents, we talk about three different buckets that you may have seen how your dude's raised. And we talk about, you know, positive. If you think like he's been raised in a super positive household, seemingly you're pretty sure that you've done your best job or disrupt, you know, and like they know there's been disrupt things in his life. Sorry, my, my dog Mika's having a... So my point though, out of those three buckets is when we've got parents and events, guess why they're all there for the exact same issues. Mm. Like if you've cut, if you've raised in three different buckets and how do your boys get the same issue? Is it necessarily you? No. So we help parents understand like you're probably doing the strategy, you know, because parenting is really just guesswork, isn't it? When you think about it, there's no book on it. Well, there's many books, but there's no direct way answer. So yeah, first of all, we look at that and then what external, you know, pressure does or positive pressure does when it comes to a mentorship point of view is we look at it in the calculated interest, you know. If you, want, if, if you wanted to write a book, you know, and, you know, was said to you like, hey, there's this epic soccer coach or football coach down the road, he's a great mentor, you know, he would help you write a book. Wouldn't make much sense, hey. Might be a great yeah. mentor, but when it comes to writing a book, it wouldn't help. So we like to always look at calculated interest in the point that, if we want your lad to build confidence, self-worth and security and, and help manage his insecurities, wouldn't it make sense that we bring someone in his life who's going to be the mentor but to that direct result, you know? People yeah. are practicing that walk and walk and walk, talk and talk. So just the interesting thing, as soon as we bring someone in that's not directly in that love union, the boys just start listening, you mm. know? Yep. The boys just, just generally start listening. Um, it's very, very rare that we'll be met with a young man. You usually slip through our, say, marketing pipeline if they might be probably a better fit for psychology counselling that won't be open to or being optimistic around, you know what, actually I'm going to give give it a shot, what this mm-hmm. guy's telling me that I should start to do. Does that answer that question well for you? Absolutely, I love it. It's an interesting um, insight. We see perhaps something related but not the same uh, with when Coxie and I work with couples and a common paradigm is the wife, and they, you know, they even joke about it, a wife, spouse, whatever. But the the woman jokes about the fact that they're literally paying us to tell their husband what they've been telling them for years. Yeah. But, but yeah. the the man, in inverted commas, listeners, isn't listening to the partner, the wife, um, but they listen to us. And and I feel mm. like that's that whole thing you're talking about, Cal. Being we're outside of that internal tight relationship uh, and so they're much more likely to pay attention to that and I wonder if it's because you know a lot of our blokes probably like me haven't actually grown up yet uh, so we're still stuck in what what you know I've read is is kind of the cowboy phase it's that you know kid running around with the plastic guns and the and the cowboy hat and they haven't actually progressed beyond that yet in some aspects so 
Yeah, that's really cool that you see that parallel because like I 100% agree it have something to do with it, but I'm sure there's, and I'm yet to do some more research on it, like psychologically wise, like why we do that um, as humans, but that's my best example I call. I call it the love union. If you want to take my little personal definition of it, it's a love union that we're stuck in when it comes to you know, lack of respect. Um, one other little example I think of with it, which you know, our parents understand well with their dudes, is simple stuff like, if they've asked them to go do a chore, you know, do the dishes, take the trash can out or whatever it may be, it's like you're often met with resistance or it's done, you know, three million hours later or whatever it is, you know. But then it's like if you've got a, you're at a family barbecue, you've got some friends around and one of dad's or one of mum's friends asks you to do a similar task, what do our lads do? They just pop up, yep, and they go and do it. And parents sit back and I'm like, what the hell? You know, like, I, I've asked him to do that a million times and he takes six times amount of time and it's, you know, it's simple, simple in how their brains work. There's just the deeper positive pressure when it comes to someone that they're not super comfortable with. I actually also think I, I wear it somewhat as a badge of honour and maybe that's just arrogance on my behalf, but I feel like it's my kids' jobs to push against the boundaries that I put in place. And so I, as much as it might ship me to tears when they're doing everything they possibly can to test me, I, I feel... Um, valid and amazing and comfortable to think that it's me that they're pushing against and not something else because I think that there's a lot of risk in some of the other stuff they could actually maybe not push against but stumble over when they're not pushing against me. Yeah, absolutely. I think and I think we're made to push boundaries here, especially yeah. teenagers. It's like you're, you're exploring. You're, you're trying to find out what life right. like, what it looks like. You'd, you'd be crazy not to push boundaries. Mm. You don't, want, you don't want to raise your kids that are just, you know, satire robots. I no, think. Test limits. How boring would that be? That yep. would suit the totalitarian regime, but it's probably not so good for the individual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I want to ask about uh, employers and employees and that relationship because our listeners, many of them struggle with or will struggle with that um, mentorship role that they probably – um, unexpectedly find themselves in and sometimes reluctantly as an employer of young guys um, predominantly. It's still, a, you know, male-dominated industries in the trades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and a lot of our clients and a lot of the people in our trade business owner community are literally completely stumped as to how to actually influence or, or how to be an influence in these young guys' lives. Is it yeah. same stuff, Cal? Do you think it applies or mm. what's your perspective on that? It's it's interesting you bring this up because um, I love to talk about the relation between trade and our coaching young guns. I was actually talking to it. We just started, I had a new client start the other week and, and dad was in construction. And so he loved the example. And what I like to look at especially, and it's something I do personally with our employees, is when it comes to, say, power of influence on someone to be able to help them achieve xyz outcome is the only way and little my little favorite secret saying for this is like leverage to understand what leverage is when it comes to helping someone achieve an outcome is leverage will only ever work with an outcome if that potential person can see potential gain you know mm-hmm. so it's like gain is my word for that gii and so gain so our first thing when it comes to like if you've got a young young fellow that starts as a as your laborer apprentice or whatnot is he's only ever going to be interested in you and as a mentor and who you are if you can see potential gain. That's right. so, and, and it's not about, we can say other stuff, you know, it's a, it's a job you should be grateful for, it's a job, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, but, you know, but, but, but the point is, is like, cool, everyone's got jobs. He's always got another, uh, if he's got a job with you now, he can go get another one, you know. So That's it's right. Like, 
to be able to step up to the mentor role is you need to understand on a level, and this is something you might not know, and this takes connection, time, getting you know young fellow a little bit more, but understanding what his gain is. Does he really want to be in that trade? If he doesn't really want to be in that trade, guess what? He's going to be a shit worker. Because mm. yep. he's constantly thinking about something else he'd rather be doing. He's thinking about little Stacy down the road 24-7 where he wants to, you know, <laughs> get on the wheels. So the, the point the point, point of it is, like, if you've got someone that first of all wants to be there, it's like the gain has to be, it might be someone like, I'm really excited, I want, I want to, it'll be a subcontractor, I want to start my own business. Awesome. Mm. But then be intuitive around helping get those skill sets and whatnot. You've got him for four years. So, like, mine always, like, leverage always comes from gain. And the second thing I like to talk about with it as well is incentive. Mm. Incentives are so important. And it's like you got to understand that we've got a positive and we've got negative incentives. And, like, I'll, I'll ask you, was you know, you're, you're, a, you're a man in business to trade. It's like what works for employees, positive or negative incentives? Positive. They hate, uh, they hate criticism and consequences. I mean, people will move away from them, I suppose. Yeah. But um, in my experience, people are more motivated by the positive pull uh, rather than the avoidance of pain in the workspace. Yeah. And guess what? It's the same as youth, same as dudes. You know, as, as a parent, when you say, you'd say, I'm going to take that phone off, you're going to turn your Xbox off, going to take your Wi-Fi as a negative incentive, guess what you met with? You know, piss yeah. off now, yeah. piss yeah. off yeah. Like, yeah. resistance. Exactly. So exactly the same thing works in our workplaces. Like if, you're, you've, if you've got a young fellow that, and you're going to, you know, you're going to lose job, you're going to work for the rest of the day, you're going to work till 6 p.m. or, you know, do an extra three hours, whatever. You just met with resistance and you just think you're a dickhead. You know, so it's like you have to find, the first thing you always have to do is get leverage through gain and what the outcome looks like. And the second thing is provide positive incentives. Put a bonus structure, for goodness sake, you know. Mm. If, if, a, if a, you got a first-year apprentice that's making $452 after tax per week, throw another 50 bucks in there for showing up on time or something like that. You know what I mean? It's nothing. So it's like a positive incentive plus a gain. That's your absolute formula to getting just remarkable outcomes. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, there's my answer for that. Love it, mate. Love it. I feel like we're singing from the same hymn book, just you singing in a different language to us. <laughs> yeah, yours is much cooler than ours. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, be very open here with our listeners as well. And, you know, as I get older, I probably give less less hoots about uh, what people think of me, at least publicly. Um, I say that, but it's not really true. <clears throat> uh, I, You know, I'm talking to you, Cal, and I'm thinking about the stuff that you're doing and I mean, you're the kind of young bloke that, not that I wish that I was, but I can see that entrepreneurial drive and, you know, just the insight and the, the probably the real world intellect. You know, I went to university because my old man didn't think trades were a future for anybody. It was, you know, go to uni, get a job, make a good, honest living. And, you know, it's just that industrialized, systemized way of life, which is just, it was boring as batshit and I hated it. And it's, it's not until I started this gig, coaching, <laughs> that it's actually lit my fire, as you talked about earlier. So um, I just I think it's so sad that um, parents are missing the opportunity to actually build a generation behind them that are better than they were. Yeah. And I see a lot of parents almost – and I don't know if they do this um, consciously. I hope they don't. But it's like they're keeping their kids – safe but in that way they're keeping them small um because if their kids are better than they were then they can't deal with that and i've I've actually seen parents do that yeah they get the shits because their kids are better than they are or achieving more than they were or or, you know more entrepreneurial than they are and it's like what Mm. how how is that making any sense to someone and employers the same thing Mm -hmm. 
So I'm, I'm speaking directly to any of our listeners who do what Cal was talking about. You know, it's that punitive punishment approach to someone's performance. Like whip, you don't whip the dog or the horse to get it to do more stuff because eventually it's going to turn around and kick you in the head yep. or run away. Yeah. And yet it seems to be the most common approach that everybody has with dealing yeah. with young people, which leads me to an actual question, listeners. The grey shark is back. <laughs> um, <clears throat> G'day, Tom, if you're listening, mate. Uh, so, Cal, this this whole generation thing, we do get asked as um, coaches, business coaches, oh, how do you deal with millennials or Gen Zs or, you know, whatever we got coming next behind and I mean, our answer is probably not very favorable to many people. And it's like, well, you need to go home, find your bathroom mirror and have a look in it because that's where the problem is. Um, you got to understand. And, you know, Simon Sinek has a fantastic video that's done the rounds on the internet a million times about how, you know, Gen Y and millennials have these, these problems and the problem is not them. It's actually the way we're communicating with them and the lack of understanding and, and um, uh, gain that we've put in front of them. <laughs> Again, mate, your perspective on that? Do you see this? What's what's your experience with parents, perhaps, and their lack of understanding of that next generation? Yeah, um, man, this, we could we could go down every rabbit hole with you. <laughs> um, Good rabbit hole. I think you know, and, and you get the classic, um, the older gen, you know, this generation soft and blah blah blah, and like yeah. you know, and, and like I get that, and I agree with it to to an extent. You know that you know a lot of our generation is soft probably because of some of those predisposed issues I talked about earlier around, yes, this is the reason why we, why, why some of them are soft. Yep. But when it comes to that is like the first thing is just have, have an understanding. They grow up in 2022, man. You know, awareness is huge. We've got all this tech stuff going on. There's, they watch every young person's watching YouTube. They're on TikTok. They're on Instagram whatnot. Guess what? They're flooded with 24-7. Get rich quick. You know, life and freedom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which a lot of that's true. That's the problem. <laughs> you know, like there's so much opportunity in 2022 now. So the, the appeal to possibly go into like a normal workplace, or whatnot, for a young person probably isn't high. Mm. So it's like you've got to get an understanding. It's not their fault necessarily. It's what they've been consuming and what media's given driven them 24 seven. It's not their fault that they're probably not the hardest worker straight away. It's not their fault that they probably don't really want to be there because they got a buddy who's 18 years old doing $300,000 a year in crypto, you know? So it's like um, I think a deep understanding, first of all, has to happen. Like I think the, a business owner has to step back and be like, okay, this is this is the mix I've got and I've got to craft one of these people to be a high performer, you know? Mm-hmm. like that. If, if you're a business owner in the trade world right now, that's what I'd see. It's like you, you're taking on the the work of as a business owner, but you're going to take on the work, learn how to be a good mentor, be a good leader, which work hand in hand either way. So I think acknowledgement first is your, the pond you're pulling from is probably going to be pretty slim when it comes to getting someone that is red raw and ready to work and whatnot, and then develop the skill sets around what you know helping that young fellow achieve to be a good performer would look like. Like coming back to what we said before, two things: find out what the gain is, and incentivize an outcome for it. You know, trade the trade world. There's still like if a young fellow's goal is to get a house with his girl and get a bike and car, you can do all that shit. You know, he just needs to see what that projection outcome could look like and what That's it would look right. like. So understanding and then yeah, setting those two principles up around, you know, gain and um incentive to it. I think that'd be super powerful. Mm. Seeing a pathway. We talk about that a lot here at Traders yeah. Business. Is setting a pathway up for them. It's like if you do this, this is what you could have. Yeah. You know? Here's the treasure map. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I like to flip it on the head as well. If you ever get asked the question, you know, from a, a tradie and business owner and whatnot, you know, they they 
they're always complaining about everything they just don't know how to work hard anymore. It's like, well, do you know how to work hard? Because you don't know how to mentor a lead yet. You haven't worked hard enough in that area of your of yourself. So it's like, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's a, a two edged sword, man. If you want to complain about the millennials not working enough, you need to learn how to work harder as a leader to be able to get them good. You know, that's right. So, um, I couldn't agree more. That's my thoughts. I like Coxie's this episode. Our clients are going to freaking listeners. <laughs> I, I, I'm really blessed to be in a position to have had all this experience so recently that I can share those opinions with our clients, but it's going to make a whole bunch more sense coming from you because not mum telling them what's going on. It's Cal, and Cal's a bit cooler than mum. Yeah. But I actually well, listen to Cal. I do my best. <laughs> I just, it's, it's, um, I don't know. I think the last thing that we've, we, the last big lesson many of us learn is to look in the mirror first. And I think if we as business owners could take the above the line approach and look in the mirror and learn how to look there first before we even attempt to solve any problem or issue, we'd see that we can lead a way out of any problem, any issue, whether it be team or anything else that happens. You know, a lot of this stuff happens with clients and business owners as well. So you're speaking a lot of sense. I really love it. And you still haven't told me what your story is. So now's mm-hmm. your time to tell us what your story is. Wait until the end. We'll do the big jump. Just, <laughs> just to summarise what you said, though, I just quote just come up in my head. And I'm not sure if you guys have read the book The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Um, and great, great book. And a lot of my story might link into a bit of his as well. But one of his, one of his things he says, and that's one of my favourite things ever, is around blame is pointing the finger at something who's at fault for something, but responsibility is the person that's willing to take action and fix it. You know, yeah. I think I think if we can all just live by that, especially as business owners, that we can blame your millennials, we can blame outcomes, we can blame, 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 whatever it may be, but it's like you ain't doing shit, you know. Your little, you, your little mouth running a mark around blame is not going to, you know, make you extra money, get good employees or train people for you, you know. That's right. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't change the situation. They can. They yeah. can. Yeah. Pin the the blame on somebody else, but mm. you know, that that actually gives control away from themselves when it comes to creating results. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, story time. I've been hanging out on it. Let's go. So once um, upon a time, ready. there was a, once upon there a, time. Was a guy called Cal. <laughs> so I I would say that I didn't live a very normal um, late teens and early twenties. Um, I'm certainly very grateful for a lot of stuff, but I had a lot of hard patches through my life. So I, um, and this will, this will click with you on the integration of mental health and training and stuff like that. I hope it does anyway. So I, my brother, he, um, a couple of years older than me, and it was my first experience of, I, I had the picture perfect upbringing, you know, mum, dad, we weren't, we weren't wealthy. I was never given, you know, money or anything like that. But like my family both had middle-class jobs, as I've already explained and grew up well and, Never had any issues and whatnot. And it was, it was 17 or 18, probably just as I was about to turn 18, that um, we first started, I first started seeing the extent of like basic um, problems or trauma, if you want to see it, you know. And I'm actually, just a quick side note, I'm writing a book at the moment and it's called How to Win When Born a Loser, the Win Lifestyle Survival Guide, because I want to put some real practical shit when it comes to how I solved a lot of my own personal problems. But anyway, point of how to win when born or lose is that I wasn't born, but you can be born into problems. You know, your life can hit a certain benchmark and bang, you've got all this sort of stuff. And that's what happened to me. So 17 of my, my brother was um, diagnosed with psychotic depression, personality disorder, and schizophrenia. You know, coming when he was um, 
And so through that, I saw an extent of crazy mental illness issues. And I like to distinguish that a lot. People talk about mental health. Mental health is your general well-being, you know, how you're going with your anxiety and your stuff like mental illness is bad shit, you know. And so that's what we help with our parents to distinguish as well with what's going on with your dude. He's not mentally ill. He's just struggling with some of his mental health, which can be a predecessor to mental illness, which is why we sit in that area. You get the point. So, um, yeah, so we saw a lot of bad stuff where I would meet different versions of him, um, personality to everything. Um, I walked in on, I've walked in on him, attempted to kill himself, um, cut into his body and all sorts of shit, as you can imagine. Through that time, I, in my love of helping people, as I was contract personal training, I actually got into firefighting with QFES. So I, I, I don't know how it fits into this, but it does. I spent two years working for Queensland Fire and Emergency Services and everything from fires to roadcraft rescue, so ripping dead bodies out of cars and all that sort of shit. Mm. Um, so saw some pretty full-on stuff, and I was 18 when I got in, and so I did my first, you know, resus, which person passed away when I was, when I was 19. You know, so my emotional maturity, maturity level was ridiculously low for um what, what I was experiencing, what I was going through, what I was trained to do. I think I was one of the youngest firefighters ever in Southeast Queensland. I don't know how the heck I got in. I just don't. Um, so that's a random side note. So I'm a qualified fiery too. Um, that's a weird sort of <laughs> certificate I've got at the back end of this. Um, so did that. It was um did that for the few years, which compounded on what was going on. Started I quit the service. It just become too much for me. I realised I'm like, I don't want to live a life where I'm just cooked in the brain when I'm forty or fifty years old, um because of all the because everyone acted like they were fine, but all you'd hear stories always floating around departments of the dudes that were you know, messed up and whatnot. So I I went I underwent my own. I was struggling with PTSD, some really bad dreams. I'd wake up dead, I would wake up whatever, I would murdered or it just some really cooked stuff in my head. And when it when I got some psychology for that for the help of my PTSD and I did that for just under 20 weeks flat. And what I found for myself personally is that every single time I'd go is I was always just met with self-awareness. And for me it felt like I was just banging my head against a brick wall. Uh, like for example, it was like all eyes everyone was problem, 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 problem. And I like realized just had the kind of, you know, snap in my head of like our brains are so amazing we never forget you know we never actually forget whatever you guys have lived whatever years you are now and if there's been bad things happen you never forget them what do you learn to do you learn skill sets to manage them Mm. so i was never given i was never given an action plan and um from there i was kind of adamant to find out some fundamentals of what was going to help with me um, through that time, I slot this in quick. I forgot about it, um, but I, one of my best friends passed away unexpectedly at 21 years of age, and then I fell into a deep depression. I was an alcoholic for 18 months, drank my life to nothing, um, and often thought about ending my life. And so, through all this mess, and this was in a two two and a half year time span. You know, it was messy. Like, I I honestly can barely remember a lot of the time. I just can't. Where could I'd either be just pissed or just it was just too traumatic in my head to funk it's so weird I don't know how to describe it um and so post that with the counseling stuff and the psychology I realized there was just a few fundamentals that I wanted to start doing again because I wanted to feel alive again one of them was training because I was training incredibly inconsistently I or, or not if not at all gained a bunch of weight and whatnot so I just got back to my groundwork of doing something that I loved and that's where I fell, fell in love again of the vehicle of progression, you know. I'd train my, my, my one focus for the day, gym, make a progress, get home, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Like I lost every social skill I had from a young fella being able to being out there, going to parties, visit my mates, driving to the coast. All sort of, I lost all of that too. The first time once I started getting some of the fundamentals, the movement happening again and really enjoying that. The space when I was training, it felt great. When I get home, I'd kind of lapse back into a bit of a bit of that deep-seatedness. And I can still remember the first time after 18 months I'd left the house to go to a social event. I was with my buddy, um, who is also now my operations manager in Young Guns and owns, and, and owns 20% share in our company. Um, so I was with my mate and he he remembers looking at me and at, at that time as well, I still, I still hadn't fully recovered from the alcohol, like the massive binging one, I was doing best with it. I was about to leave the door to go to a social event, which um, my family friends were at. We had like a, it was all like a military operation. We had, we had people waiting there for my return to welcome me. So I had like a safe hub to be able to, you know, like, hey, because no one had seen me, you know. And um, I was about to walk out the door and I was trembling, man, like, which for me was insane because I was always a good, you know, communicant, hanging out with people. My buddy looked at me and I looked at him and I just said, I can't do it. And he's like, mate, you're going to have to have a beer. So I just chugged three beers and it just took the edge off me, you know, just to be able to leave the house. It sounds insane saying this, you know, got to this place and um, that was my first ever social event after 80 months. So my point being out of all of this is that over slow, gradual time, I just focus on that one thing of training. And I then I truly realised the benefits of what movement was doing for me. And essentially I healed myself um with starting from scratch again when it comes to a social communicative way um how i thought how i felt per day and the will to live and so then uh, i started really structuring together in my head of what were the what were the key aspects of day-to-day of what i was doing when it come to practicing socials when it was pushing myself in confidence level whatnot and so that was my revelation i was working with this maddie and this young fellow and i was sharing a lot of the stories that i had just been through you know where i was helping navigating whatnot and the power of movement, the power of people that genuinely cared about me that were in my life that wanted to help me out of those problems. Um, and then finally, like my own structure that I set up with myself to be actionable, you know. So I can't put it any more simple than this is that I, I solved my own social angst, my depression, I like unmedicated, you know, um, and f- from putting some re- real basic principles in and to this day those basic principles in our curriculum were all of the stuff that i was able to then regurgitate in a way that was applicable to say a more of a minor issue so mm. that was my big revelation i'm like if something like this could help someone that was so messy imagine what it could do for someone who was just struggling with their confidence or you know getting out there and whatnot so I'm like the power would be 10 to 1 you know so um, anyway that's um that's how the young guns got started <laughs> Hell of a story, Cal. I'm glad you left until last. I don't know where to go after that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, was, it was pretty. It was pretty strange. I'll show. You, I'll add one thing. I'll add one more thing in actually, because um, it's a big piece and it's it's probably why I'm super big now. I've actually never shared this publicly at all on my own content to anyone, my podcast or anything like that. But I think it's important, and I feel comfortable with you guys. Um, is I, in the particular religious background I was brought up in as well, is through that time of my real hard times and, like, what I was doing, it didn't marry up with principles of theirs. And there was a lack of a better understanding, I guess, to say. So there come a point in the time and the choices I made to walk away from that. So I actually lost positive contact with my mum and dad as well through the choices that I supposedly made, um, which were so negative. 
So anyway, so there was that on top of it as that all that transition phase when Young Guns was starting oh, that yeah. um, to this day. Um, it's really just myself and I'll communicate to my bro every now and then who's recovering well, by, by the way, for anyone listening to this, he's doing really well when it's for amazing psyche, he's killing it. Um, so anyway, so there, there was that on top of it. It was like, I felt like, I just felt like my heart was getting ripped out of my chest, man. You know? so, yeah. So to this, to this day, it's kind of my goal. If just myself personally is to make parents understand more as well about your boy's outcomes and paths and whatnot, just stick with him, eh? Like, because the pain that goes through with it, depending no matter what the choice is, is yeah. knowing your parents at least in your corner throughout everything is, it was so damn important, eh? Because I realised how impo- it was so important for me back when it was there and then I realised even more how diminishing it was when it wasn't, you know? 100%. Yeah. Jesus, Cal, I think you're a hell of a young man. I do my best. I try. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, if you can take the time to help other young men be good young men, um, they're very lucky young men indeed. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they are very great. They become very grateful because we mm-hmm. teach them the program as well around mm-hmm. look at look at what your parents have been part of that 5% that want to make you awesome and yeah. be and amazing. So our gratitude section actually covers that for the boys to understand, like, holy crap, like my parents are paying for, you know, me to be the best I can be. You know? That's right. Um, yeah. Maximise the gifts they are given however they got them. Um, and I think, you know, it is 2022 and there's a whole bunch of uh, social commentary and stuff that flies around. And I personally, my personal belief is we need men in the world more now than we ever have before. Um, and it's in the way that you're talking about, Cal, and I'm not saying that to blow smoke, mate. Um, you know, I'm still sitting here reflecting on my own childhood my teenage years you know my my 20s and 30s and i have this conversation with people within my inner circle fairly frequently about the impact of you know my father positively and negatively um and you know some people know the the full extent of that and Mm. i i just think uh you know there's been this massive watering down confusion around what it means to be a man in in the modern world so um you know the stuff that you're talking about mate I think will resonate with a lot of listeners, men and women. There's probably a lot of mothers out there with boys. Um, there would be a lot of tradie wives who are employers of young men um, or young boys. Maybe they still are. Uh, and uh, and I think you know if any of this really uh, strikes a chord with you, then I'd encourage you to to seek out Cal and and his content. Um, and you know take the opportunity to take responsibility for your influence on the, the young people around you. And I think that's probably my big message as a middle-aged man. Um, I think the awareness that we have such a powerful influence over the generation or two that are coming along behind us is probably what's needed um, more than anything else. So, Cal, um, thank you for the work you do, mate, and thanks for sharing your story. Really appreciate that and value that. Um Mate, if uh, I, I've got a question, um, if you had a thousand tradies in a room, what's one piece of advice you would love to leave them with, mate? Learn to be a monster, but then learn how to control it. Nice, Jordan Peterson quote. I love it. <laughs> what we teach our boys as well, you know, learn out. If I had a thousand tradies, it'd be learn to be a monster in your craft. And everything as far as masculinity goes, but then learn how to control it so that you can still be in touch with your kids, your wife, and, and put it at rest when it needs to be. But 
Monster referring to be a damn good high performer. You know, I think it's important in, in, in any aspect, especially for your tradies because you're hard, you're hard yakking men. Nice, man. Love it, Cal. Thank you. Yeah, mate, um, if people do want to find out more about you and your content and your programs especially, um, what's the best way to do that? Um, just Facebook page, Young Guns Coaching. It's spelled gangster, Y-U-N-G, G-U-N-Z. Yeah, so um, just check it out. Uh, we got we got our free group in there as well, which we put a bunch of content, run our events and stuff like that, where you can get to hang out with myself if you think I'm a cool cat. If not, no problem. Uh, but yeah, that's the best way to get to us, Young Guns, Young Guns Coaching. You'll you'll find out everything about us. Nice, I think you're pretty cool, Cal. Thanks, Legend. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I just I just wish you could teach a bloke like me how to be more gangster. That's what I want to know. So do you keep wearing those shoes? You're never going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> all right and that's the end of the episode uh, good thing i'm the editor and the uh, producer but anyway mate, I'm, then... I'm joking you, 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 <laughs> they make you gangster wars they make don't, you... don't let some crusty old dude pull that one on you mate um mate thanks so much uh really appreciate your time cal and uh yeah listeners um do reach out go check out the group um i'm guessing it's not just for for young guns it's it's for parents who are just for parents. this is just for parents just for parents okay yeah. sweet sweet yeah. um so go and check that out and uh mate keep doing the work you're doing and thanks for being awesome thank you thanks for having me i really appreciate it cheers buddy you've been listening to the tradies and business podcast with warwick bidwell and nicole cox Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.